Yet it was good of you to share my, in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I, sent, I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be accredited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Aphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in, in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Well, if you turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to finish off Philippians today. Point number one, we must be generous. We must be generous. If you look with me at verse 14, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift. I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Uh, we must be like the Philippians. We must be generous. Uh, notice their example. Now, Paul was only in Philippi a few weeks, not, not, not even a month. He's there a few weeks. A church starts, and he has to leave Philippi, and the first place he goes after Philippi is Thessalonica. It's kind of the next big city on the, on the way to the west. And he's in Thessalonica for only three weeks because they run him out of town. And uh, while he's in Thessalonica, starting a new church, the Philippians take up money, and at least twice they send him a gift of money while he's in Thessalonica. Uh, phenomenal. And uh, in fact, when he goes to raise money from the Corinthians for the poor in Jerusalem, he writes to the Corinthians and he says, listen, you need to give as much as the Philippians are giving. And they're poor. And they're giving out of their, their lack, and yet they give so much. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. 
entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring us also to completion this act of grace on your part. He even holds up the Philippians as an example of giving. Even while I was reading this, I couldn't help but couldn't help but think of the widow who came and put her small little coins in the temple treasury. And Jesus said, look at that. She's put in more than anybody because she gave everything she had. And I thought, when have I ever given everything that I have? Everything. I've never cleaned out the bank account. <laughs> in fact, I don't even know what kind of a minimum balance I'm supposed to have in it, but I think we're always over the minimum balance. I've never drained that baby. That's giving, right? Hear of a need, give everything you have. That's the Philippians. We must be generous. And here you see them giving to help Paul. Paul says he doesn't need it. Paul says he doesn't want it, but he's looking for what can be uh, credited to their account. Takes us to the second part of the giving. We must be generous because of the spiritual blessing that we receive. Notice verse 17. Not that I'm looking for a gift. I am looking for what may be credited to your account. What may be credited to your account. I desire that your fruit would increase. And I desire that your account would be increased. Notice what he also says, the spiritual blessing about this giving. Verse 18. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's language from the Old Testament. Language of the tabernacle, language of the temple. When you put a, an offering on the altar, the up would come the smoke, and the smoke would be a pleasing aroma to God, a fragrant offering to God, and God would love that, and he would accept the offering. And he says that's what's true when you give generously to other people. It's like just like that sacrifice, that worship in the Old Testament, and God, God would smell that, and he would love it and be well pleased with it. fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now the bare minimum of Christian generosity is 10%. That's the bare minimum. That's at least that, that, that at least get, it gets you on the table. The average Canadian gives two and a half percent. Christian or non-Christian, it's the same. Sad. Two and a half percent we give to charity. When you think about it, it's really sad. Because we are some of the richest people on the planet. Uh, every once in a while, the Financial Post runs an article, and in the article, it gives financial advice to people. And uh, I, I, sometimes I look at them and I read them. This, this was the one from yesterday. The one from yesterday, they had an income of $6,000 a month. 
And so they try to come up with what should they do with $6,000 a month in order to make ends meet and to save for retirement. And so at, at the end, he, they recommended giving to charity $100 a month. Okay, $6,000 a month, you give 100 a month to charity, 1.6%. $100 a month is a lot of money. Out of 6000 it's not much. And then you see their net worth. The net worth of the couple is $1,600,000. Now, that's their net worth. Their, their, their actual worth is about $2 million. The rest of it's in debt. And so what they're trying to do is get them to pay off their debt. They have a line of credit of $232,000. That's a big line of credit. And so they're trying to pay off their line of credit, and then when their line of credit comes off, maybe they can give some more to charity, or maybe they can travel more. Now, I would like to say to you that I think that couple is a really bad couple in how much they give to charity. I think they're typical, which is sad. Not very generous. Here's the crazy thing is that the gift of the Philippians is just not calculated in dollars and cents. They've also sent Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, he, Paul, they, the, the church has said, listen, we need to send somebody with our gift to Paul. He's in prison. Who will go? And so they have to find somebody who has months to give. And it's Epaphroditus. So he has to get on a ship. He has to go from Philippi. He has to go to Rome. He spends time with Paul there in prison. And then eventually he has to go back to Phil. This is not, this is not just a, hey, let's just a short time thing. This is a big, this is a big commitment. Romans 12.1 has the same kind of language when it says this. Let's see if I can quote it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Uh, beautiful. When you give gifts generously, it's a fragrant offering sacrifice to God. When you give your bodies, God loves it. That's your spiritual act of worship. Uh, Jim Elliott, a missionary who was killed, used to say this. This was written in his diary. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Think about it. What is it that you cannot keep? You cannot keep your money. You cannot even keep your life. But Jesus says if you lose your life for his sake, you will gain it. Of course, Jim Elliott was martyred when they went to uh, reach out to Indians in uh, South America, to natives. Uh, five of them were killed. Uh, that's not the only individuals killed. There was another group of five men uh, also killed, and I just wanted to read about them. This was in New Tribes magazine this week, 
uh, the story of five men from New Tribes. As, by the way, as, as I was reading New Tribes Mission, they've had number of missionaries killed uh, over the years of their existence taking the gospel around the world. He says, you may re- read the story of the five men martyred as they tried to contact the Ayori, Ayori people. Perhaps you read how well the Ayori church is doing today. Mother's Day seems an apt time to remember that the three widows left by the deaths of the men kept working as part of the team to reach the Aores. How did Dorothy die, widow of Cecil die, hold up under criticism that her husband was responsible for the deaths? How could Audrey handle being a single mom in a jungle? How did Bob die's widow Jean teach the missionaries' children and learn the Aore language? The answer comes again and again. God planted five seeds, and God did far more than help them endure. He helped them thrive and gave them the opportunity to be the spiritual mothers of the Aori Church. When we give, we are planting seeds, whether we're giving money or we're giving our lives. Third thought, under we must be generous. Beware of debt. Debt robs you of your ability to be generous. Because now you have to give somebody else back money. Beware of debt. I was just reading this yesterday. Spurgeon tells of the time when he was a kid. He kept losing his writing materials. And so he went down to the store. And and a pencil was a penny. He didn't have a penny. So he said to the storekeeper, I expect to get some money at Christmas time. Can I borrow two pencils, put it on credit, and I'll come back and pay you after Christmas? Storekeeper went for it. He had his two pencils. He went home, and then his dad found out and chewed him out for going into debt for two pennies. How dare you go into debt? That's the worst thing you could ever possibly do. And he learned his lesson when he went into debt for two pennies. Beware of debt. It robs you of your ability to give. Takes us to point number two. God will meet your needs. Notice with me verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Uh, Many interpreters today take the verse this way. If you give to someone like Paul, then God will meet all your needs. By the way, that preaches well. I should maybe preach it that way today. If you give to Huron Baptist Church, then... God will meet all your needs. By the way, that's the way many people are preaching that passage today. I don't think that's the way it should be preached. I don't think there's the logical connection. Because you have met my needs, therefore God will meet your needs. I think the logical connection goes this way. You can be encouraged to meet other people's needs because you've got a God who's always going to meet your needs. 
So you don't have to be tight-fisted thinking, wow, I've got to take care of myself first, and then I'll take care of everybody else. We don't have to be tight-fisted because God takes care of our needs. So we can be open-handed because we've got a God who's going to give us everything that we need. That's the way I think you should take the passage. I think that's, I think that's the way it should be taken. You don't need the government as your backstop. You've got God. You don't need savings as your backstop. You've got God. And which is better? Of course, God is far better. This is not in my notes, but I've told you before. I'm a little mad at God because God has not given me the money directly. He's made me work for it. <laughs> well, thank God that he's provided some of us with strength and ability to go to work. Right? Thank God. But... That means we should be generous, right? God's been good to us, therefore let's be generous. God meets our needs by giving us strength and ability, putting us in a, in a country where we can make a great living. Well, that doesn't mean now we become tight-fisted. We become generous because we know God's got our back, and God's going to give us everything that we need. In uh, the book that we just read, Radical, he talks about this passage, David Platt, from Jesus in Luke chapter 11. Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now if you notice, he's ended up by saying, when you ask God, he gives you the Holy Spirit. I take that, one way to take that, and David Platt took it this way, is that when you ask God for things, guess what? He's already given you the Holy Spirit, and he pours out his Spirit upon you. That's the answer to almost everything that you need, having God's Spirit living inside of you. Wow. Isn't that refreshing? God has given us his presence to be with us each and every day to empower us to bring love, joy, and peace into our lives through the Holy Spirit. He wants us to have those things. Or I like this, James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I wonder why God hasn't given me that Lamborghini yet.
God has promised to meet all of our needs. And he does it in amazing ways. Um, I was reminded this week of the story when Elijah was told by God to go to a widow's house to be taken care of. And when you think about it, um, if I'm in trouble and I, want, and I need to be sent somewhere where I'll be taken care of, I want to be sent to a rich person's house. <laughs> With a pool, please. <laughs> God sends Elijah <laughs> to Sidon <laughs> to a widow's house <laughs> to be taken care of, to meet his needs. This is the story. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there'd been no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water and a jug so that I may have a drink? Now she's gathering sticks for her last meal. But she goes and gets the water. As she was going to get it, he called, And please, bring me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she said, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first make me a small loaf of bread that you have. Bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away, did as Elijah told her. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Wow. God sent her there. God sent Elijah there to meet her. And they were going to meet each other's needs. And God did it. So we don't, God, because God meets your needs, you don't have to worry about being tight-fisted and ungenerous. And God meets our needs in accordance with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I like the way one preacher said it. God does not meet your need out of his riches and glory. He meets your needs according to his riches and glory. He's got all the riches. He doesn't just take a little bit and give you something. He meets your needs according to his riches in glory. And of course, this is in Christ Jesus. This is only for those who are part of the body of Christ and only for those who have given their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the individuals that he promises to meet their every need. This is a story from uh, Harry Ironside, and this is from uh, writer uh, James Boyce. 
Um, early in his ministry, Harry Ironside was preaching in Fresno, California. And uh, he was there for two weeks. And unfortunately, while he was there, he ran out of money. And so he was staying in a hotel, but he couldn't afford to pay the hotel bill. He had to check out of the hotel. Uh, he couldn't even keep his luggage with him. He had to p leave his luggage at a pharmacy and say, please look after my luggage. And uh, he sat down under a tree in front of the courthouse, and he was going to sleep there all night out in the open air. He ran out of money for food. That night, as he settled down under a tree, he was reminded of Philippians 4. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But Harry got a little upset. Why doesn't he just do it? What's wrong? What's taking so long? God spoke to him and said he had grown careless in a number of things. And in his prayer and his meditation, he experienced a great spiritual awakening. From that time, things started to go better. Old friends appeared. They would invite him to lunch, and later they would provide him a place to stay. The church he was ministering to took up a collection at last while he was there to give him a little help for his return journey. At the end, he went to the post office, and he found a letter from his dad. Much to his surprise, he opened it, and staring, staring him in the face was the postscript. The postscript said, God spoke to me through Philippians 4.19 today. He has promised to supply all our need. Someday he may see that I need a starving. If he does, he will supply that. And Harry Ironside says, that is what I needed. I needed to be hungry. And oh, it all seemed so real then. I saw that God had been putting me through the test in order to bring me closer to himself, to bring me face to face with things that I had been neglecting. And, of course, God supplies all of our needs. Sometimes it's hard needs. Sometimes we need hardship. And sometimes we just need blessing. Sometimes we need friendship. Sometimes we need a little opposition. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So let me encourage you. Be generous. Be generous. Because God will meet all of your needs. Let's look to the Lord in prayer.